Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. For those of you that don't know, we, have start, we started the Gospel of Luke two and a half years ago. Today, at Sermon 108 in the Gospel of Luke, we come to the conclusion you know, the prevailing wisdom of the day is to do short books of the Bible or, or do short series within the Bible because people have short attention spans and, and yeah, you can't impact a church if you're speaking on, on lengthy topics and, and to that we say, ha, <laughs> because there is power in the Word of God itself and we have seen God bless His Word. So, we're going to finish Luke. How does this great book of Luke, the biography of Jesus, end? Four big ideas. The first is Jesus is alive. And here's where we find in the storyline of Luke, Jesus was promised throughout the Old Testament to be coming, to be born of a virgin, he lived without sin. He was a preacher, a teacher, a traveler, a healer. He ultimately was put to death by crucifixion. He died and was buried. He died in our place for our sins as our Savior. Three days later, as was promised in the Old Testament, and from the lips of Jesus Himself, He rose from death. This means that Jesus alone has conquered sin Jesus alone conquers death, which is the wage for sin. So what we see today is what Jesus does and says after the resurrection. So Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 36. While they were still talking about this. So just so you know, the first followers of Jesus was a band of folks that were small in number. We're talking dozens, not hundreds. And they were talking about the life and death of Jesus when all of a sudden, Jesus himself stood among them. Can you imagine that? It'd be amazing, right? We'll see in just a second. They freak out a little bit, but who could blame them? And he said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Are we hallucinating? Is this an angel? Is this, is this a demon? What's happening? It, it looks like Jesus, but he's dead. Dead men don't come back to life. Well, one did, and that makes him unique. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands, my feet, it is I myself Touch me and see. You don't think I'm physically here. Come on, bring it in. <laughs> Give me a hug. Give me knuckles. I'm here. It's me. He goes on. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? You know he's physically alive when he really wants something to eat. And who can blame him? 
sleepless night, beaten, dehydrated, murdered in a tomb three days. He gets out and he goes on a long walk with two disciples to Emmaus. I mean, the guy has to eat. They give him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. So here's what we learn. Sin and death are not victorious. Jesus is. What this means practically for those of us who trust in Jesus, our future is with him. And our future is like his. That we will all die, but ultimately we will rise like he died and rose. And we will be with him forever, together in the kingdom of God, without the effects of sin. So that means no more sin, no more suffering, no more shame, no more sadness. There will only be Jesus and his people together forever. So number one, I have good news. Jesus is alive. We don't worship a dead man. We don't just follow an example. Maybe like these disciples, we have those moments when we're mourning and remorseful and grieving and sad, and Jesus comes along and he says, peace, I'm alive, I'm here, you're not alone, you're not on your own. Christ is with us, that Christ is for us, that Christ is alive. And number two, Jesus says that the Bible is true. Verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, which is another way of saying the Old Testament. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the Scriptures. The Word of God must be fulfilled. It's living and active. The Word of God does not return in vain. That was what you heard from Isaiah 55 as Barb read. It accomplishes that which God sends it out to achieve. And Jesus looks at them and says, I'm alive because the Bible said I was going to come back to life. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. You see, the whole point of the Bible is Jesus. We hit that last week. You may remember that sermon. It took a long time to tell. I won't repeat all the points, but if you want to find it online, you can. The big idea of the Bible, according to Jesus, is that it's all about Him. That the Bible is one story about one Savior, Jesus Christ. That's exactly what he teaches us. So here he is saying that over thousands of years through several different authors, God sent a succession of witnesses to promise and proclaim the coming of Jesus Christ. The purpose, the central purpose of the Old Testament is to prepare us for the coming of Jesus, to prepare his people for the coming of Jesus, the second member of the Trinity. And all of that's come to pass. So we are awaiting the fulfillment of the final prophecies of Jesus. And we know with certainty that the God who was good on the first coming of Jesus will certainly be good on the second coming of Jesus. Now, number one, because Jesus is alive, and number two, because the Bible is true, 
Number three, we must get the gospel out by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody needs to know about Jesus. Everybody. That's exactly what he said. And repentance and forgiveness of sins preached in his name to all nations. What about those who have a different religion? <laughs> yes to them. What about those who disagree? Yes to them. Because the ascended Jesus is Lord over all. All people, all times, all tribes, all language are under His sovereign rule, and everyone needs to know Him. So we tell people about Jesus, beginning at Jerusalem, because that's where they were, that's where the resurrection took place, that's where Jesus told them to stay, waiting. You'll see in just a second why. He said, you are witnesses of these, of these things. Here it is. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. That's the coming of God, the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. What he says is this message has to be proclaimed. This gospel, this good news that God loves us, that He came for us, that He lived the life that we should have lived but couldn't, died the death that we should have died, but he took it, and conquered the enemy that we couldn't defeat. His name is Jesus. It's all finished. He's alive and well. The nations need to know him, so he says it needs to be proclaimed. That means we need to say it and we need to show it. Because if we want people to experience salvation, we can't just be about good deeds. We must tell the good news that Jesus died for our sin. He rose for our salvation, that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. And He says it's about repentance of sin for the forgiveness of sins. Here's the problem. Sin. We don't want to talk about that word much in our world. Or if we do, it's to blame others for it. Parents, culture, genetics, personality type, woundedness. We like to say things like, well, nobody's perfect. What we don't like to say is, you're a sinner. We like to excuse our sin, hide our sin. What does Jesus want us to do with our sin? He wants us to repent of our sin. We are all sinners by nature and by choice. That means thought, word, deed, motive. I'm a sinner. There's only one who was without sin. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you acknowledge the sin, then you realize what the problem is in this world. The root cause of all sorrow and strife and suffering in this world, it's sin. It's selfishness, it's pride, it's meism. And we are sinners being invited by the Lord here to repent. And repentance is three things. It is first, conviction. Conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit, where God basically devastates our conscience. And you know it. And you feel it. Conviction can come by reading or hearing the Word of God. 
It can come when you're in conversation with godly people. And God convicts us, which is not, and, and understand this, God's conviction is not to destroy us, not to condemn us, but to compel us to Jesus. And there should be a moment in that conviction that then leads to confession, which is our second step. Confession is where we talk to God about it. Lord, you already know. So what I'm about to say is not news to you. But I need to say it. I need to get it out. Lord, here's where I've gone wrong. Lord, here's the mess I've made. And then that cultivates in the third part, which is change. By the grace of God, I'm going to change. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to change because I don't want to do this anymore. Who I've been, I want that person to die because Jesus died for me. And I want to come forth as a new person right now because Jesus is alive and that's what he does. He makes us new creations, new people. We get born again with new minds and new hearts. We get new desires, new attitudes, new passions. Not perfect, but new. Now, hearing all of that, how many of you feel woefully inadequate to do all that God is calling us to do and be? And if you're not, it's because you're not listening to the sermon. So go back and hear it again online. Shameless plug for bhpres.org. So Jesus says, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. He's speaking of the Holy Spirit. Because what He knows about us you can't do what he's asking you to do. You can't be who he's asking you to be. So he's going to send the one who will empower your life. And he's going to give you spiritual gifts. He's going to bring you new life and new power to live as a new person. So this Christian life, friends, is not what we do for God. It's what God does for us and what God does through us. That's the Christian life. And then Luke concludes. The last big idea of Luke. How's he going to end it? What's the grand finale? Jesus is alive. The Bible is true. We must get the gospel out by the Holy Spirit's power. And we're going to worship. Here's where he says it. When he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany. So we're only a couple of miles away from Jerusalem. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them... He left them and was taken up into heaven. So now the ascension is taking place. You've got to believe that was amazing. I mean, sometimes we just read this and we think, oh, what did they do? Just play the Jefferson's theme song? Moving on up. Had to be amazing. He left because... He had come from heaven to earth. He had accomplished his mission. He was returning to heaven. So what do they do? Then they worshiped him. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. It was worship. It was joy. It was enthusiasm. It was celebration. Now, it 
their, their story, the disciples' story, does not end here. All they did their whole life then from then on was just stay in the temple and worship and praise, as great as that would be. Luke, the author of this gospel, has a sequel. It's the book of Acts, and we know that when the Holy Spirit does come upon them, the world has changed. Yes, they come together in the temple. They worship regularly. But then they would scatter, and they would share the message. The Holy Spirit will empower them, will compel them, scattering them to tell everybody about Jesus, and it all fits together. If Jesus is alive, if the Bible is true, if we believe that people are going to hell outside of Jesus, then we should witness and worship. We should tell others of Him. We should rejoice in Him, not so that God would love us, but because in Christ He already does. Not so that God would be pleased with us, because in Christ He already is. Not so that we feel guilty, but because we are glad that Jesus is alive, the Bible is true, and we have kingdom work to do. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.